0: Heartache You're sure will last The skies above Fall with rain My friend, I've been there This storm will pass And I can tell you The sun will shine again Eyes on the sparrow And I'm always watching you
1: Good evening. We're glad you've come to be with us here at Grapevine Baptist Church. We are so thrilled that uh, you'll take part of your time whenever you take that and you tune in and you use this for encouragement. Let me say again thank you. This has been a lot longer than any of us expected dealing with what we're dealing with. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your words of encouragement. We are blessed to be serving here at Grapevine. The whole staff feels that way. And we just want to again thank you for how you love us, and continue to lift us to the Lord. But as we do say that, it's all about Christ. And whether COVID is going on, whether there's an issue going on elsewhere, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if it's real, you want to be a part of God's people. You want to sit and hear God's Word. You have a desire in you by the Holy Spirit that compels you to seek after God. And that's what we're trying to do even by a broadcast here by internet, but We thank you for being here. If you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel chapter 5. Let me have a word of prayer with you. Father, thank you for this evening. I pray, God, you use these words to give encouragement to your people. I pray, God, you help us to understand, help us, God, to apply, help us, God, to be sensitive to your truth. And God, use this message, God, to reach others around the world, Father. And God, I just pray that you just speak into us right now by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Daniel chapter 5, verse 1, and you'll keep your Bible open. We'll be looking at the entire chapter. But it says, Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Now we're going to introduce Belshazzar in a moment because this is Nebuchadnezzar's grandson. And this chapter actually is about 30 years later than chapter 4. And so what's happened in this time is between chapter four and chapter five, Nebuchadnezzar has vanished from the pages of the Bible. God shows us how the Babylonian kingdom came into being basically, came to how it, it came to be the greatest nation in the world, and he's also showing us the demise here. And so that's what's happened to Nebuchadnezzar. But I was reading the other day a story, and it was a story based on a man who was a part of the Navigators ministry. And if you're not familiar with the Navigators, it is a tremendous discipling ministry, a tremendous ministry reaching people, equipping people for the kingdom of God and and to serve Christ. Well, this gentleman and his wife felt like God was leading them to Uganda to begin missionary work there in a country That that was in need of of what they had to offer. and So they, they took their family, uprooted them from the United States of America, flew them into Kenya. He put his family in a hotel room. He rented a Jeep, and he began to travel into Uganda, traveling across the border, trying to find where he would be serving because he had no one there waiting for him. He just felt like this was what God was staying And so as he traveled that first day into Uganda, it says he traveled by and he looked over and he saw children playing with automatic rifles, shooting them into the sky. And then he had a few of the kids, they took those automatic rifles and they pointed it at him and looked at him and he began to question, what have I done? Where have I gone to? he kept driving, he finds a little dingy hotel, he goes inside this dimly lit hotel and there was a man there working who could barely speak any English and he finally realized, he said I have one room one bed basically left and he said I'll take it. So he goes up to the second floor of the hotel, walks into this room there are two beds one bed is made, one bed is unmade. And he said, instantly, he said, I realize I'm sharing this hotel room with somebody else, somebody I don't know. Now, how would you like to face that in life, sharing in a strange country, in a, in a brand new area, a place where you don't know them, they don't know you, and you're in the room with somebody you don't even know who it is. He said he dropped to his knees and he began to pray. And about that time the door opened and he said a six foot five Ugandan walked into the door, looked at him and said, what are you doing in my room? And he simply said, God has led me here. I'm with the navigators, I'm trying to start a ministry. And when he said the word navigators, this Ugandan, he said the navigators from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and he said yes he said he j- grabbed me whipped me in the air hugged me was smiling and when he set him down he said I have prayed for two years God would send someone from the navigators to my land Amen. he said I, I I yield into this ministry they, they disciple me and he showed him his books that he had from the navigators and this Ugandan became one of the leaders, one of his closest allies in his ministry there in Uganda. Isn't that a great story? Isn't that amazing how God, he knows our steps in advance? And and here he led this man from, from America all the way to Uganda without a plan per se, but he had it all worked out. You better be close enough to God to hear him speak, and when he speaks, you better obey him. And as he obeyed him, look what God did. But there was another young man who went to a culture that was different than his, who went to a land that was different than his, that went to a country that was different than his. And he was also a pioneer missionary, sharing the gospel that he understood about Jehovah God. And his name was Daniel. We've been looking at him for several weeks now. And we were first introduced to him in chapter 1 when Daniel was about 15 years old. And he distinguished himself because he said, I cannot eat at the king's table. Even though he left home, he left everybody he knew, loved, and cared about, he kept his convictions of faith, he kept his morals. And he stood for truth, the truth of God. And God blessed. But he had to step out and risk not knowing what would happen. And then you find in chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Daniel, again, He's now not 15 in chapter 2 and chapter 3, he's in his 30s and, and the king has a dream and, and, and he interprets the dream for the king and, and all of a sudden this, this, this young man, he's promoted to, to the prime minister of this country. Now that's an amazing thing, that you are taken as a slave and within 15 years you're the prime minister of a country. But God had his hand on it, and Daniel was faithful. He was not faithful that God showed him and promised him these things. He was faithful where he was because of the word of God and he didn't know what the outcome was going to be. But he clung to his faith. 20 years later, he's in his 50s in chapter 4 where we were last time. And the king has another disturbing dream and you're always, you're always tempted to say, will I tell him the truth? Will I water it down? Because you're talking to the, the most powerful man in the world at that time. And I'm going to tell him, you're going to go crazy. You're going to go insane. You're going to act like a wild animal. You're going to be eating grass out in the field. Do I tell him the truth? Or do I just say, well, you're going to have a rough season of life. And it's going to be okay. Don't water down the truth. Now, we can be tactful many times in how we present it, but don't water down the truth. So he tells the king the truth. And and again, what happens is you find at the end of the seven years where the king goes crazy, he's out in the field, he responds to faith in Almighty God. I believe he was born again. And and so so here's what's happened. We see how how Nebuchadnezzar, I believe, responds to God. And and then we come to chapter 5. 30 years later, Daniel is about 80 years old. Nebuchadnezzar has faded from the scene. And so who's on the throne? Well, it's interesting to see how his grandson came to the throne. Because what happens here, the grandson comes to the throne and he's having his last meal. you know when your last meal is? I didn't say was. I'm saying when will your last meal be? And he's on the throne. The funny thing is, liberal scholars used to deny that belt. I'll get his name. Belshazzar actually was king of Babylon until the 1920s where they found documented proof discoveries that revealed his life and, and everything about him. And Here's what happened. When Nebuchadnezzar went off the scene, his son began to reign after his father's death. Nebuchadnezzar reigned for 43 years. His son was on the throne for two years and he was assassinated by his brother-in-law. Now, after four years, the assassin, he died and his son took over. Now, when his son took over, he was beaten to death by conspirators, And they placed on the throne the person they wanted to and their choice was a man named Nabonidus. And Nabonidus had married Nebuchadnezzar's daughter and he would reign until the end of the Babylonian Empire. Now the son is Belshazzar and he made Belshazzar co-regent with him and he lived not in Babylon but he lived away while Belshazzar was the ruler there. Belshazzar was about 14 years old when Nebuchadnezzar his grandfather died. He was old enough to remember his granddaddy. He was old enough to understand what his granddaddy had experienced. He understood the testimony of, I was a wild beast out in the field eating grass like a wild animal. And all of a sudden, God restored it. God humbled me and then God brought me back. And I give honor and I give reflection to Almighty God. He understood the stories, but apparently they didn't. Trade his heart very well, because look what's happening here. He's having this great feast. Everybody's in this large place that would seat a thousand people, and they're drinking. They're having a big party. They're in this lavish banquet room, and look what it says. And Belshazzar, while he tastes the wine, he commanded to bring the gold and the silver vessels which his father which in biblical times when you say your father, that can mean grandfather or father. It's like saying the faith of our fathers had taken up the temple which was in Jerusalem and the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines might drink therein and they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God which was at Jerusalem and the king and his princes, and his wives and his concubines drank in them and they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass and of iron and of wood and of Stone, do you see what he is doing here? He is defying Almighty God. He is defying God Jehovah, whom Nebuchadnezzar had responded to. He is defying the God of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He is defying the God of Israel. Why? He said, "Your God is worth nothing more than the whole my wine." That's what his act was. It was an act of defiance against. Almighty God. And he knew about his granddaddy. We'll see that later as Daniel brings it up again. But he at that moment, they were surrounded by the Persian army. Cyrus had already encamped around Babylon. They had been around Babylon for four months. Now here's the thing about Babylon. The walls of that city were 80 foot tall. They were were 80 foot, it says the outer wall was nearly 80 feet thick and it was surrounded by a moat. And so when you could scale up the outer wall, if you got through the moat without being killed, you scaled up that wall, you dropped down on the other side, you had another wall ahead of you which you could be taken out by the next wall of archers or whoever was on the wall. It was a fortified city and it had never been penetrated the Euphrates River, it flowed in different ways into Babylon. So they had fresh water, they had fish that could be there, they had stockpile, historians tell us, 20 years supply of food. So they're surrounded by an enemy army for four months, and they're having a party, why? Because they've got enough resources to last for 20 years. They've got a fresh water source, and so they're having a party with all the captains, all the leaders of the army. And where the, where the river would enter into the, to the city, they had a steel gate that would drop down into the water, into the bottom of the riverbed that would prevent anyone from coming in that fashion as well. So he's got it all going on, doesn't he? He is leader of the strongest country Of that time. And he's having a party, he's kicked back, he is decadent, immoral, godless. All he wants is pleasure. All man, doesn't that sound like someplace where we live? All we want is the immediate gratification of life. And that's the hardest thing for young people to understand waiting concept. And you don't live for the moment. You don't live for the immediate. You live for eternity. Eternity is a lot longer than 16 years, than 60 years or 600 years. But that's not Belshazzar. He was living for the moment. He was defying Almighty God. Then look what it says in verse 5. And in the same hour, came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote it. That's where we get the phrase handwriting on the wall. It it comes straight out of the Bible. And and this disembodied hand, it it, it appears and it begins to write on the wall. And, And look what it says, and the king's countenance changed. I think my countenance would change. I think your countenance would change if that were to begin to take place. And his thoughts troubled him. What do you think troubled him? What's going to happen? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And the joints of his loins were loose. Now, you know what that's a pleasant way of saying? He lost control of his bowels. All right, moving on. And his knees smoke together against one another. He is scared out of his wits. Now, he can't read it. He just knows he is, there's a divine being behind it. And he cried aloud. Bring the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers, the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, whoever shall read this, show me the interpretation. he probably cleaned himself up a bit before all this took place. But anyway, that's just extra. Whosoever shall read this writing, show me the interpretation, shall be clothed with scarlet, have a chain of gold about his neck, and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. The third, His daddy's the ruler, though he doesn't live there. He's second. You're going to get a promote. Everything is going to go good. If you can tell me this. And then came in all the king's wise men. But they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Lost world doesn't understand the things of God. The spiritual can only be discerned by a spiritual man or woman who knows Christ. And, and let me throw this in. I hear a lot of people talk about, oh, that, they're a spiritual person. Don't have a clue what they're talking about because it's not about faith in Jesus Christ. And that's the only spirit I'm talking about. There's a Holy Spirit and there's an unholy spirit. So, what spirit you got? Then the king, they could not read it. Then King Belshazzar are greatly troubled. His countenance was changed. And the lords were astonished. Nobody to help you. Guys, that's the way the world is. The world promises you, we got it. We understand it. We can explain anything to you. But they cannot explain the hand of God here. They cannot explain the word of God. They cannot explain the, the working of God. But this is, and now the queen, by the reason of the words of the king and his horse, came into the bank house. Now I believe the queen, which would be his mother, I believe she was probably a convert to the faith of Daniel because she wasn't at the wild party. I think that's an encouraging thing to understand. And she understood. She spake that, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts be troubled, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man I I find that's a great line. There is a man, and, and that's what we need today, is we need men to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. We need men to lead their homes in the way of righteousness, in the way of holiness, in the way of being committed churchmen. We need men of God. There is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of God's was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. Now, now interpretations can can vary. And, and, And she was actually saying, he is the wisdom of God. For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding interpreting dreams showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel whom the king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called and he will show the interpretation. And Daniel was brought in before the king. And the king spake and said unto Daniel, Art thou Daniel? He's not calling him his Babylonian name. He's calling him his God name, Daniel, which are of the children of the captivity of Judah, whom the king of my father brought up out of Jewry. Now, now he could almost be slamming Daniel here. He's almost saying, are you Daniel one of the Jews who my father took captive? You understand I'm you were a captive. We're greater than you are. He said, I've heard of thee, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that light and understanding and excellence and wisdom is found in thee. And now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me, and they should read this writing and make known unto me the interpretation thereof, but they could not show the interpretation of the thing. Why did he call them first? His daddy, his granddaddy, did the same thing, chapter 2. We get all the wise people. Didn't work. He knows the history. He's heard the story. I guarantee you he can tell you Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's story. That doesn't happen in a vacuum. Everybody knows the story. I heard of thee. That thou can make interpretation and dissolve doubts. Now if thou can read the writing and make known to me the interpretation thereof, thou shalt be clothed with scarlet, have a chain of gold about thy neck, and thou shalt be third ruler in the kingdom. He's trying to say, hey, I can make it good for you. Daniel can't be bald. Daniel is not impressed with the gifts. He's already been there, done that, right? That's what happened to him before. We get so many people who get enamored with the promotions of the world and they miss God in the process because your motivation gets tainted. And Daniel said, let thy gifts be to thyself and give thy rewards to another. I don't need that stuff. Yet I will read the writings unto the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, language trembled and feared before him whom he would be slew and whom he would be kept alive and whom he would be set upon and whom he would put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, He was disposed from his kingly throne and took his glory from him. His heart, his mind hardened in pride. Guys, that's a lot where America is today. We're so filled with pride. He was driven from the sons of men and his heart was made like the beast and his dwelling was like the wild asses and they fed him with grass like oxen. His belly was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the most high God ruled in the kingdom of men that he appointeth over it whomsoever he will. He's telling his sad story. And thou his son, O Belshazzar, you have not humbled your heart though you knew all this. You knew how your grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, was filled with pride. You knew how he was lifted up in himself. And you knew how God brought him low. But you're doing the same thing he did. You're not humble. Thou hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven. And and they brought the vessels of his house before thee. See, he, he brought up those vessels from the temple saying, they're just worth holding my wine. Your God's nothing. And thou, thy lords, thy wives, thy concubines have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver, gold, of brass, iron, wood, stone, which see not nor hear, nor know. Your whole understanding is amiss. Because you deny God. And today, if you don't understand Christ, your whole concept, your whole worldview is amiss. And the God in whose hand thy breath is and whose are all thy eyes hast thou not glorified. Who are you glorifying with your life? Who are you honoring with your life? Who are you living for with your life? That's what he's expressing to us. Then was the part of the hand sent from him and his writing was written. And this is the writing that was written. Many, many, take care. Uphason, and this is the interpretation of the thing. Many, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. See, see, Daniel preached the message and and he preached this message and, and what amazed me is this, Thou has, uh, God has numbered thy kingdom and he's finished it. Over in the, the book of Acts, I believe it was Acts chapter 17, Paul said the same thing to the Athenians and he says the same thing still to us. He saying, And he hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and that determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. God sets up kingdoms and God sets them down. God sets up nations and God sets them down. Who are you living for? What are you living for? And so here here was Daniel. He's 81 years old. He's not impressed with the gifts that were offered to him. He's not impressed with what the king was trying to to get him to do. He was not swayed in any fashion. And God says, he's appointed the length of a nation's existence. How long for America? He's appointed the length of a nation's existence and its borders. Why? So that they might seek God. And when that stops, what's our point? So what's God saying? Well, it says, Then the commanded, Belshazzar, the commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler of the kingdom. Now that verse right there does not fit to me. But it's there. And it's God's word. And so as as you look at that, he said, I'm giving you everything that I told you I was going to give you. Daniel did not tell him a nice, sweet interpretation. And so in the act of what the, the king is doing, he said, I defy your God. Party on! Put the gold. The gold chain on your third in command. Now I know you're smart. You got to understand it. We're gonna keep on parting in that night. Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldees, and Darius the Mede took the kingdom in about three score and two years old. He died. See what happened was this: history proves that Cyrus diverted the Euphrates River. And there was a channel apparently and they were able to divert some of the water to where the water level went down in the river to waist deep. They go through the river waist deep. Nobody's ever done this before. And they found that the gate was not even closed in that. They go into Babylon. All the leaders, captains, military men are already gathered in one place. And in one night, Darius took the kingdom. Belshazzar refused to repent. What's God say? God's judgment may be delayed, but he still judges. He sends prophets. He sends preachers. He gave his word. He's given his Holy Spirit. Listen to the word of God. Are you living for the party? Are you living for pleasures or are you living for the person of Christ Jesus? And and, and here's what I find amazing. God knows everything. But God makes the offer even though it was ignored. And maybe that's where you are. God is offering you salvation right now in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Don't ignore it. You don't have a promise of another day. God may be offering you repentance, restoration. Man, don't ignore it. Get right with God. Trust Him. Father, we bow before you. We thank you for your grace, your mercy. Father, I pray your word has been encouragement to us. It'll help us, Father, as we face challenges. And God, we'll be like Daniel. We'll not compromise. We'll stand on truth. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.